the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. Good to finally be back. Been a really Busy couple of weeks, so I've been unable to do a show recently. And the reason is, is that got kind of a huge announcement. New Focus Financial Group, which has been around since December of 04, is now EP Wealth. That's EP Wealth. So New Focus Financial Group, my team of 13 other people besides myself, decided to join EP for many reasons. First of all, we've got now more CFPs in more locations. So you've heard me over the last couple of years saying, hey, it's me plus six other certified financial planner practitioners. Well, so we went from me plus six to now over 50 certified financial planners as part of the firm. So not only are we in California, and you know we obviously have an advisor in Marin, we've got our office in San Mateo. We now have an office, and we have offices in several other cities, including Lafayette and the East Bay. We have cities and other offices and planners in other states. We've got Chicago, Dallas, Salt Lake, Denver. Of course, our office in the Portland, Vancouver area. We've got Logan, Torrance, California, Irvine, and really more to come. Um, so it's a growing group of people that are really dedicated to the financial planning and investment industry, fiduciary fee-only planning, and, and a great team. I'm really excited about our increased capabilities for our financial planners. We have now even more better software to support our financial advisors to help their clients and anything between insurance analysis, obviously the overall retirement and estate plan. And we still have our wealth management site that all of our clients get that updates the financial plan daily. But we can help people even more in depth with insurance analysis. Like we had a client that was analyzing different options for his four rental properties. Real estate analysis. Do you really know whether or not the real estate you own or that you're looking at to buy is a good deal? Help for small business owners, charitable giving, stock option planning, if you have a bunch of stock options at work. Especially, saw a lot more ISOs, incentive stock options this year than I have seen in, in, or this last year than I've seen in many years. So uh, still all of the same people that, you, the sh- that you've known, and the show is going to continue to be called New Focus on Wealth, but my company that's been around at, with Rob and I for since 2004 is switching from New Focus Financial Group to EP Wealth Management. So you're going to hear that name a lot more, EP Wealth. This chat at chadburton.com still works. That's the best way to contact me. But for those of you out there in podcast land, if you've heard the podcast and 
like, hey, I want to work with Chad and his team, but I'm not really comfortable on a Zoom-only relationship, which is kind of what all relationships are right now, right? During this time of COVID. But if you've always felt like you needed to sit down in person with a financial advisor, but you're, you haven't been in the Bay Area or the Portland, Vancouver area, um, now we've got other options for you in other cities and it will be growing. Another big thing is that we can actually do tax returns and estate planning for our clients. So we have the ability to not only be the people that you go to for your investment planning, your retirement plan, your fee-only, non-commission-based world of finance, where you're not going to end up with an insurance agent that's trying to sell you garbage insurance as an investment. But we can do all of the financial planning that we've talked about in the past, the estate planning that we've talked about in the past, the tax planning that we've talked about in the past, we can actually do the tax return and prepare the will, trust, power of attorney, alter directives, and things like that. So a lot of expanded services. Uh, check out, if you go to chadburton.com, you'll see the announcement and you can click through, check out the learning center. Um, I'm going to talk about the social security download a little bit later that I want people to check out. Um, another thing that I'm really excited about is the help for me on the investment team. So it's going to go from me and my team, an additional six chartered financial analysts with a total of 18 people on the investment team implementing research and trades for our clients. So really excited about the, the big uh, expansion in our services, our capabilities, the people that we work with. It's, it's really good stuff. Rob and I will be announcing a webinar as soon as we possibly can. Um, a lot of things go into a merger of two companies. And we're basically going from a company that manages $705 million of assets under management to over $10 billion in assets under management. So it's, it's kind of a big deal, if you can say the least, on some, some uh, technology things. So as soon as we get some time freed up, guys, I know it's been so long. We, we miss seeing people in person at our Bay Area events and our Portland events. Um, and it's been a while since we've done a webinar. But stay tuned. There'll be a webinar being announced here shortly. And, uh, and we can't wait to see it, at least virtually. And again, someday in person. Rob and I definitely miss those in-person events, that's for sure. I know Rob especially does. So anyways, check that out. Also, make sure you check out the new Facebook page. If you just go to Facebook and you type in Chad Burton Podcast, you'll find the new Focus on Wealth podcast show. That's probably the best way. And again, any emails that you want to send me have been really deleted in responding, obviously, this last couple of weeks as we finalized our merger. But chad at chadburton.com is always going to be the best way to reach me for questions on the show. I might not get back in detail to every single question, but it gives me content for the show. What do you guys want to hear about? What are the things that you're wondering about? And as well, if you throw in questions, and, or not necessarily questions because I'm not a doctor, but anything on health, fitness, and traveling, love to talk about those things too because those are such an important part, in my opinion, of retirement. Because we can save as much money as we want. We can you know, invest in great stocks and ETFs and mutual funds and save up a lot of money. But if you end up in retirement and you don't focus on your health, you don't focus on before retirement and in the first part of retirement, making sure you're healthy so that you can enjoy your retirement and enjoy travel. Because that's such a big bucket list. So many people, I mean, I, I started this business at 19 years old and went for years and years without traveling, right? Besides couple of quick Disneyland trips for the kids and, you know, camping locally and things like that. And now I want to travel the world. I want to go see things that I've always talked about. I want to go see some of the emerging markets that I like to invest in, in person. 
And it's really difficult right now because of COVID, right? In fact, if you haven't noticed, if you've got a trip planned to like Cabo, for example, Cabo has been wide open for people to travel down there. And now as a result of COVID, I'll talk about this a little bit later in the show as a quick comment on it. No, I guess I can just hit it right now, but under, under Biden's plan, um, mass mandates, obviously, for travelers are a requirement that international travelers show proof of a negative COVID-19 test before departing to the U.S. So if you can imagine, let's say you're, you're going down there, you don't know, so you get into Cabo, you get into Mexico or somewhere out of the country, you are now going to have to go find a place to get a COVID test and prove that you're negative before coming back in. So that is a big risk for a lot of people. What if you go over there, go over somewhere else, and you get stuck? You can't come back because you tested positive for COVID. Not only are you like, okay, I got to deal with these health issues in another country, but what about the cost? Now, some of you might say like, it's fine. Just let's go to... uh, Let's go to Turks and Caicos and just get stuck there for the next couple of months until I can get back. Well, that's fine, but that's also expensive, right? So hopefully you can afford it because I don't know what you do. You go to the airport, you don't have any place to stay. All of a sudden, you, you can't come back because you didn't get a COVID test or you test negative while you're down there. Or I mean, positive while you're down there. It's a big risk. It's a big financial risk that you might need to think about. Um, so far, I haven't even heard about anything like, like Hawaii. Like Hawaii, you have to take a COVID test before you go. Um, I know we went, we were there over uh, Thanksgiving, or I'm sorry, over Christmas. And we couldn't, you can't island hop because you have to like, test constantly going back and forth between islands. So it's possible, but you're like, if you go over from Maui to Oahu, you got to test before you can come back to Maui or vice versa or something like that. So a lot of people staying home anyways, because it's, it's, uh, you don't want to, travel unhealthy, that's for sure. But anyways, I got totally sidetracked off of our announcement and into travel. You can see I talk, like talking about a lot of different things. Let's talk about the markets though. So last week, SP 500 index rose another 1.9%. Um, we now have the, the forward 12-month PE ratio for the S&P 500 is at 22.5. And according to facts that that's above the five-year average of 17.6 and above the 10-year average of 15.7. So it's not like stocks are super, super cheap, but the way that that is kind of playing out is because the index is really heavy, really, really heavy in um, uh, stocks that are in tech-related areas, and that's where a lot of the revenue growth and the really high PE ratios are. So you got to keep that in mind. Uh, Apple was on uh, Monday, yesterday, end of the close, or at the end of the day, was up. Point three or was up to a, a new high. Um, so last week, the S&P 500 was up 1.9%. Monday was only up about 0.36%. New high for Apple. And we have Apple, Tesla, Facebook, several other companies. But basically, 20% of the S&P 500 is reporting this week. Now, when I say that, you, you think of that. If you do the math, you've got 20% of 500. So, oh, uh, uh, 100 companies are reporting this week? No, it's 20% of really what makes up the S&P 500. It's a market cap-weighted index. So a very small number of companies are reporting this week, but it's 20% of the S&P 500, if that makes sense. So it's a lot of big movers right now. So far, the market liking the idea of the Biden administration 
little tweaks to Congress and this $1.9 billion stimulus package that looks like it's going to go through. Now, part of that you say, okay, this better be very, a very bullet shot situation because we have created a situation of a bigger wealth gap. The way that this whole COVID-19 has played out. Um, really the people that are hurting their small business owners, restaurant, the hospitality, leisure, those kind of uh, people in those types of jobs. And a lot of other people that are not in those types of jobs or business owners that are not any effect of those, that, those, that part of the economy had the best year that they've ever had last year. Um, so service workers, though, worst year that they've ever had. The place by my Vancouver, Washington office, anytime I'm there and I go get a smoothie from Be Well, best smoothies on the planet, in my opinion, struggling, struggling to keep their doors open. Had to close one day just to, they, they said on their Instagram page, closed early today, got to f- fill out the final forms for the PPP2 loans just to try to keep my doors open. And that just kills me. We got a single mom working her you know what off and she can barely keep the doors open. And that's just awful. And everybody else is doing really, really well. Needless to say, that was a big fat tip the other day when I went in there to grab that before they closed. Um, so it's because it's a lot to take on. It's way, it, it kind of sh- puts the, what we did for the fiscal crisis in a shadow. You have all these people coming on board, including Janet Yellen saying, go big now, go big or go home. And so people start to have that argument, oh my gosh, you know, this is printing money, it's, it's higher budget deficits and things like that, because the government's got to borrow the money to, in order to print the money, I guess, right? I don't know, how did that work? Fiat currency? That's why people are buying Bitcoin these days. <laughs> but um, there is an argument that if you think about, think about your mortgage, lower interest rates allow you to have a higher mortgage, Right? The amount of money that your income supports to go out the door for your mortgage, that you know your your income is your income. But if interest rates go down, you can afford to borrow more money. You get it. So interest rates are still historical all time lows. Not as wide as low, low as they were a couple of weeks ago, because we've kind of marched up on that ten year treasury. But the uh, the amount of debt that the U.S. can kind of with current income, I guess, support. The theory there is that since interest rates are so low, they can support the higher budget deficits. So, you know, there's that. So that, that's going to be a continued ongoing issue. Um, now, let's see, what else? I already talked about the travel issues with uh, Biden's plan. Um, he authorized the Defense Protocol Production Act to boost supplies of personal protective equipment, rapid test kits, and material for vaccines as well as new mask mandates for travelers. That's what there already was. I mean, everywhere I go, I have a mask on. A few times that I have flown, I definitely have to have a mask on. So talking about a couple of sectors, um, communication services had the biggest percentage increase last week, up 5.4%. 4.3% climate technology stocks again, so they continue to push forward. 2.6% increase in consumer discretionary stocks. Discretionary, you think, eh, I don't need it, I won't buy it. I don't have to have it. That's kind of consumer discretionary stocks. The financial sector was interesting because there's so much positive talk lately on the banking sector, especially regional bank stocks with being, yeah, they're low, they're low for a reason because they're not making a ton of money from net interest margin, but a lot of them are trading below book value that a lot of people have been harping on. 
there's been a lot of buyers out there on that. Um, energy slipped last week, but look, this has been a stealth rally year. Exxon is up 15% year to date last time I looked at it. So I think at the end of the market close, it was up almost 15% since January, January 1st, first day of trading. Netflix, of course, up 13.5% sales and subscriber growth. They needed that one. And Intel to me was an interesting stock to watch because everybody's been waiting to see what the new CEO would talk about. Now, I didn't read this in report in depth. Um, I don't own Intel stock directly. Uh, so it's not something that I constantly follow. It has been a dividend achiever in the past, and they talked about an increase in their dividend. But the stock was down the other day when the CEO mentioned something about staying committed to production, I believe. So that's been a big issue. It's like people want them to kind of focus on the design and creation and that production. But it sounds like they're going to stay committed to that. So a lot of other stocks in the semiconductor area rallied. Uh, but Intel kind of had some issues with that. Okay, so back to, to stocks. I already talked about a lot of positive lately that I've heard in the finance from the financial world on on regional banks. So regional banks tend to make the most money by I'm going to take your money in on deposit and then I'm going to lend it out and charge a higher rate on what I'm lending. The difference between what they're paying you and what other people are paying them when they lend the money out is the net interest margin. And that's been really low because rates are low. And so a lot of them have sold so far down. That's why a lot of small cap values ETFs and funds were down is because of regional banks. A lot of positive talks there. They had some momentum going and then um, had a kind of a rough go. So less this last week, most companies are reporting really good earnings like JP Morgan, things like that. Bank of America, though, said their consumer banking was way down. So that stock after we talked about that, I think Friday was down about 4% or so. So I'm really watching the earnings of, uh, of banking stocks. You have the regional banks, but then you have the big diversified plays like JP Morgan, which I own. Bank of America, which I own, um, and a couple other stocks that are out there. So anyways, it's going to be interesting to watch to see what financial stocks do in the coming months and on these earnings reports. If you've got a question for the show, want some help with your financial planning, just go to chadburton.com. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. Let's go back to the basics here for a minute because I was working on a senior project with my son, Eli. He's my second child. So he's 18 and off to college next year. Uh, He is going to major in personal finance and physics. Interesting combo. Actually, pretty interested in becoming an I. Uh, IP attorney later on. So we'll see how that career goes because he's extremely smart, capable of anything. Obviously, I'd like him in this business like my other son's planning on doing. But hey, do what you do best, right? So anyways, getting back to what I was going to talk about, I, I realized that it may be a waste of time to discuss what a mutual fund is to your children. It may be a complete, total waste of time to even say the word mutual fund if you've got teenagers right now. So let's get back to the basics and I'll tell you why. First of all, when you're investing for growth, you're typically buying stocks, right? And stocks, that's pretty easy to explain. You 
if you buy a stock, you own a small piece of that company. And when you own a small key piece of a company, let's say Apple, you own a share of Apple, you also get dividends. That's a return of profit. So you get a growth in the share price and you get income from dividends for a lot of large cap and, and even mid cap stocks. So stock returns can go from, we can come from the price increasing, but also from the dividends that come to you. So whenever I've taught my kids to buy a stock in their account, um, you know, we use TD Ameritrade, Schwab, and Fidelity. That's where our clients' accounts are. So obviously, I'm going to have them set up a place there if you're TD Ameritrade's been purchased by Schwab. So it's really, in this case, I'd, I'd use Schwab. That'd be my recommendation. Um, if you're going to set up an account to help your child learn about investing, a good way to do it is to say, okay, where's the stuff that you like to think about? A lot of young kids were asking about when I do calls with clients and their children, when they'd say, hey, my kid's really interested in investing. And we'd walk them through, talk about how to trade, what stocks were, things like that. NVIDIA would come to mind. Um, Apple, obviously. Microsoft because of Xbox. Invest in what you know. And it's kind of cool for a kid if they're really into something and there's an investment theme there to help them go buy that stock. And if there's a dividend, make sure they know about the dividend. That's called passive income. It's really important to millennials to see that term passive income is huge. It's a big buzzword. People want to you know, create businesses and buy real estate and buy stocks and have passive income and retirement's a weird word for them. And, sh- and make sure that they go on and have the dividends reinvested. Have the dividends reinvested because then they get that growth in share price and all of a sudden they're seeing their share up amount accumulate. Now, when a dividend comes in, it, you might not have a big enough dividend to buy one share. When a dividend comes in to your Schwab account, let's say, and you've programmed it, you've told Schwab that you want to reinvest your dividends, they'll buy a fractional share of that stock. So you'll see your, your number of shares that you own slowly accumulate over time in fractional shares. So explaining to a kid what a stock is Pretty easy, right? Um, then we used to talk about to our kids, well, you should just go out and buy a mutual fund, like a Vanguard or T. Rowe Price mutual fund or a mutual fund from Fidelity, whatever it is, right? Because a mutual fund, it's just a basket of stocks, son or daughter. And inside, if you put your money into this mutual fund, there's a manager that's deciding what to buy and sell. So one share of this mutual fund, you own a bunch of different stock. You could own a whole bunch of pieces of different stocks. So it's a way to put $1 in and have that dollar diversified in many companies. And we all see mutual funds in our 401k, right? It's just a basket of stocks. It's, they're typically going to be large cap stocks, mid cap stocks, small cap stocks, international stocks, or emerging market stocks, or bonds, and, or real estate. So we see those mutual funds, those basket of stocks in our 401ks all the time. Well, then ETFs were created. Now, ETFs have been around for a long time now. I I should have looked it up before the show, but we all know QQQ, right? QQQ is probably one of the most well-known ones because back when the NASDAQ was the thing back in 1998-99, everybody was wanting QQQ. It was the NASDAQ. That's where all the tech stocks were. And... 
So people know QQQ, that's the NASDAQ. People know DIA, that's the ETF that tracks the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that's 30 stocks. And then SPY, that's the S&P 500. Now there's IVV and VOO and different versions of the S&P 500 ETFs. So they're all still basket of stocks. Okay, so an ETF, exchange-traded fund, is still a basket of stocks. Inside it, there's many different stocks. Most of them were created to track an index. So you put your money in SPY and you own the S&P 500. You own it. You own a little piece of 500 different companies and you get dividends. The yield right now is like, I don't know, 1.8% or something like that. And so it was mostly dividends and dividends really only change once a year, right? So like Tesla just came into the S&P 500. I can't remember even now what got kicked out so Tesla could come in. But there's certain requirements for it to come into the S&P 500. So a company can't just be the largest company out there, one of the largest companies out there like Tesla was. They had to show that they were profitable and they finally did. Um, so they, they are now part of the S&P 500. So the ETFs are exchange-traded funds. So you're trying to say, okay, well, okay, what's the difference between a mutual fund and an exchange-traded fund? So a mutual fund, there's a couple of differences, but the biggest one, if you buy or sell a mutual fund in the morning, you don't get the price until the end of the day. It doesn't matter what time of the day you put your trade in. Anytime before 1 p.m., if you sell that mutual fund, you're going to get the closing price. Anytime before 1 p.m., if you buy that mutual fund, you're going to get the closing price. Plain and simple. ETFs trade all day long, right? ETF shares can be kind of created and on the fly too. So there's not like a limited number of them. Uh, you can have an expansion of the number of shares that are available for SPY, for example. So they're both baskets of stocks. The difference is, is that ETFs trade all day long. So if the market has an intraday dip and you've been wanting to buy more of some ETF, whether it's you know SP 500, Diamond, or the Dow, the NASDAQ, or like the Russell Index, which is small cap stocks. Like, oh, market's down. I want to, instead of, you know, tomorrow, maybe I'll invest right now. And you could get that price right now that you see. Or if you would have invested in that mutual fund, the market could have dipped in the morning down 7% on some weird news that came out. So you put your mutual fund buy-in and then the market realizes, oh, that news was fake and it rallies 10% from the bottom. It's up 3% to the day. You're like, oh, sweet, I got it at the low, 7%. Not in a mutual fund. You got that price at the end of the day. You brought 3% higher than everybody else yesterday. So ETFs trade all day long. In taxable accounts, mutual funds also have a disadvantage. You can inherit other people's capital gains a lot easier in a mutual fund than you can in an ETF. So if you're investing outside of your retirement accounts in a taxable brokerage account, a trust account, a joint account with your spouse, and you buy a mutual fund, if you buy today and that mutual fund bought Apple five years ago and you buy that fund today in a taxable account and in two weeks they decide to sell all shares of, their, that, of Apple, you get to share in the capital gains, reported capital gains for Apple even though you just got into the fund. So there's times where people have put money into a mutual fund, had a flat or negative return for the year, and they owe capital gains on it. That ticked people off big time. That ticked me off. That's one of the reasons why I 
found Rob Black back in 1999 is because of the capital gains problem in mutual funds. I'm like, I don't want to... I love small cap. I love international emerging markets, mid cap, but they're causing tax issues. So I would either want individual stocks or ETFs, index funds, or index-based ETFs when I'm outside of my retirement accounts. So ETFs are created. But here's the reason I go back on this to the beginning of the statement where it might be a waste of time to explain to your 12, 13, 14, 15, maybe even 18-year-old what a mutual fund is, is because ETFs, exchange-traded funds, were typically tracking indexes. The Russell 2000, that's small cap. SPY, S&P 500. DIA, Dow Jones Industrial Apps, QQQ, the NASDAQ, EFA, International Developed, EFEM, Emerging Markets. This is the typical way that people invest in ETFs. They're investing in index funds. Passive investments. Well, get ready for a whole heck of a lot more actively managed ETFs. Where inside the ETF, the same thing is going on in mutual fund, daily transactions. People buying and selling inside this thing on an ongoing basis. Even dimensional funds, which was the big mutual fund behemoth behind Vanguard, they do a form of indexing where they you know, kind of cut out certain parts of the index and still invest in it. So they kind of are thought of as the, the creators of uh, smart beta, Fama French guys that, that created it. They even came out with an ETF. T. Rowe Price has actively managed ETFs. Uh, Franklin actively managed ETFs and the costs are coming down. So I would explain to your kids what a stock is and what an exchange traded fund or ETF is because that's what they're going to know to invest in by the time they get to the era of putting money into 401ks and Roth IRAs and things like that. Okay, a couple other headlines that I wanted to mention that I saw this last week. Um, One of them is the IRS is planning a 50% increase in partnership audits. Keep that in mind if you're a business owner in in a partnership. Um, you might be getting that call, that, or not the call, because the IRS doesn't call you. Everybody, you need to realize, they don't call you, they just send you a letter. So don't fall for those phone scams. And another one was in the Financial Advisor magazine uh, by Jacqueline uh, Sargent, as I think uh, how you say your name. Social Security tops America's fears for retirement. And when I was talking about Eli's senior project, when he's supposed to essentially learn about investing, uh, talk about the options that are out there, whether it's buying stocks and ETFs on your own at Schwab or a robo-advisor like Acorns, eventually his requirement is to create his own portfolio. And part of what he was talking about, why he wanted to do it is because he's heard me talk about Social Security and we've had talks about... um, how there's this, it's a certain segment of the population that's really struggled under COVID, the haves and the have-nots. And he didn't realize that how many people just relied on Social Security as the majority of their income in retirement. Nor do most kids know how Social Security works. That conversation about how Social Security works is when he came home with his first paycheck. And you got to explain what FICA is. <laughs> why doesn't it just say Social Security tax on our paycheck? Does it, can anybody explain to me why it doesn't just say that? I mean, it's almost like they're hiding it. What's FICA? Who's FICA? Why am I paying FICA? That's Social Security, all right? 
So what Jacqueline was talking about in this article is the number of Americans who worry they will never retire is at its highest point ever, which is crazy because I've seen a bunch of people retire in this last year. They're like, you know what? I haven't been going into the office for a year anyways. I was going to retire in two years, but the stock market's way up. I'm just going to cash in my stock options and go into retirement a little bit early because this working from home sucks. <laughs> so that's, that's what I've heard some people say. And portfolios and real estate are highest values ever. But that's just a, a certain segment. There's, that's the segment of the people that I deal with, the segment of the people that hire people to help them manage their money. And, but what I'm seeing from friends and family and stuff like that is that segment that, man, they had a small business. They were living paycheck to paycheck, barely able to put, you know, five, 10% into retirement. And a lot of those people are struggling just to keep their doors open, food on the table. So that idea is that the, uh, where, where the stock market has gone up this much and social security has gone up this much, or uh, real estate has gone up this much, social security is there. Um, that the percentage, now again, this is a small segment of the population. When they, when they do these samples, as I've made fun of these, these polls that are out there, because I've never been polled, they're a very small sample group. But it's at an all-time high from when they've been doing this. So there's something to say. They did find that in this January SimpleWise Confident Retirement Index, they found that Americans' biggest fear in retirement is that Social Security will end. Those not claiming... Benefits, 53% fear it's not going to be around for them at all. Because you hear, people see and hear in really small segments. And you hear this Social Security problem and, and, okay, the issue is that around 2034, there'll be more benefits being paid out in Social Security than that they're taking in in FICA. And by law, they're supposed to cut benefits if they don't change the program. So you're going to not see an end of Social Security, people. You're not. You're going to see either higher taxes. You're going to see delayed retirements. You're going to see higher taxation of Social Security for those that have higher taxable income. Plain and simple. It's not just going to end. And it's sad that people think that. It's also sad that people depend on it. Because I can tell you right now that for a lot of people, the reason that they're worried about Social Security drying up or being their main source of income, it's because they've made poor choices. They're smoking cigarettes. They're drinking lattes every day. They're driving super fancy cars instead of putting money into their 401k. Instead of putting money... The first brand new car off the lot that I bought was in December 31st, 2017. As a financial advisor, I knew I was making... You know, I had to really build my business in the beginning. But even after that, I was like, ah, I just can't... Until recently, I just can't... The, the, the idea that you drive off a lot in a car that just depreciates that quickly was just killing me. Uh, I'd rather put money in the business. So now, so people do have to make their own better choices in terms of what they waste money on. You, we've got to create some sort of a system where it, this social security people have to be educated. This is just for a safety net. This is not to provide your retirement. It's to keep you out of poverty. And saving is up to you. So I think we need more of a forced 401k savings program in this country because Social Security isn't working with our demographics. 
Social Security will be there in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to get to this question real quick. We're married, 64 years old, retired with very good net worth. Being 62 and 70, we're eligible to draw Social Security. You've recommended that one should wait until 70 unless they're in dire financial need or terminally ill. That strategy makes sense as a way to maximize lifetime Social Security income, but it assumes that the payouts and taxes will not change substantially. I've heard an opposite opinion that if you can afford to live without it, you should take it earlier because you don't really need it. The reason is that there's going to be changes to the payout and taxes that will most likely cut into the benefits for those with higher taxable income. So my opinion on that is that they're not going to cut into your benefits because you have higher income. They're going to likely just create more of it will be subject to taxes. Right now, only 85% of your social security is subject to taxes. They could make it up to 100%. But no matter what, it's, it's still going to be based on what you're already taking. Um, and I don't think they're going to cut benefits. They might delay. If you don't take it now and you're 62, you plan it on saving until you're 70, you might be facing a 72 window instead, but that's not a big deal. So if you're healthy, very healthy, you know you're going to live beyond your mid-80s, especially if you have the higher check and your spouse is going to have your check if you pass away, I would still wait to your 70, in my opinion. By the way, there's a great social security guide I can send you whole retirement planning and social security guide, shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com and I'll send you the link. That's chat at chadburton.com. Find me all the podcast links are at chadburton.com. Have a great day and please tell a friend about the show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.